105 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM KRLB Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. It's not very often that I come in here and start the show off as we're live at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Demond Cotton and your boy Q for the next three hours. Very rare. And this might be the only time, so you might want to put it down in your notes. Demond definitely put it in your notes. It's very rare that I'm going to come into the studio and say, well, I was wrong. Demond was right, Raider Nation. But today, I feel like it's only right that I say, well, I was wrong. (laughs) Demond, you're right. No Black Friday game for the silver and black. And when I tell you, and I know that a lot of people will not be shocked, but when I tell you that I'm still shocked and still surprised, as I've done multiple radio interviews earlier today, both with uh, my guy CK in Fresno. I did an interview with a, a guy in Mobile, Alabama. I've done a couple of interviews today. When I tell you how shocked I am that the Raiders have nothing to do with the Black Friday game coming up this season, I don't think words can describe how shocked I am. I really, and I know there's a lot of people, including DeMond, who aren't surprised because as DeMond said earlier this week, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Call me foolish. Call me silly. Call me naive. Call me whatever you want to call me. That's fine because I fit the bill today. I have no problem saying it. I am still in shock. Hours later, found out this morning. I woke up around 5.30 this morning like I do every single morning. First thing I check, has Amazon dropped when the Black Friday game is? Has that dropped yet? International games rolled out first. Eh, About, I don't know, 5.45 this morning, all of a sudden got the news. The Dolphins and the Jets on Black Friday? Some guys that could wear an alternate? Black jersey? Black uniform? Are you serious? Is that what we're doing? And it's funny, my man CK from Fresno does a great job. He even pointed out, and I haven't even brought this up all week long. He's like, how the hell is Black Friday not celebrating the black hole? And I was like, yeah, I know. That makes a lot of sense. But apparently I'm the smartest guy in the room, and the NFL don't give a damn what we think because <laughs> the Raiders have nothing to do with Black Friday. So, Demond, I'll start the show and say kudos to you. You were right. I was wrong. What says Black Friday more than Aaron Rodgers versus Tua Tungvaloa? I mean, come yeah, on. What says Black Friday more than the black hole, the black stadium, the silver and black? Real men wear black. Real women wear black. Real, real football fans wear black. I mean, that, it all goes together. Like, I could sit here for three hours, and I'm not going to because I know that that'll bore people. I'm, I, I, could, I could make the case for the next three hours on why the Raiders should be hosting that, that Black Friday game, but apparently – well, no, and it's not apparently. It is. They're not going to have anything to do with this, so that's fine. Q, right? let me put you in the boardroom. Put me in the boardroom. All right, boardroom guy voice. Buddy, <laughs> let me tell you, it's Aaron Rodgers, the New York market. A divisional game, Black Friday, Aaron Rodgers, nothing but A-Rod for one day of the week, Black you know Friday. What? You know what? And you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I saw JT, and I don't know if he said it on the show today, but I saw JT tweet out that he was right. Not that I ever heard JT mention uh, what game was being played on Black Friday, but he tweeted out that he was right, that Aaron Rodgers was going to get the nod for that game because, well, everyone wants to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers in that New York, New York market. And JT's smart. 
He covers the league like a glove. He's obviously on Mad Dog Radio. It does, uh, you know, shows here. Uh, does shows on uh, on Jim Rome. I mean, he's all over the place. So he knows what he's talking about. I just, I just thought it made all the sense in the world. It just kind of blew my mind that they're not part of Black Friday. I just think it's a big miss by the NFL. And then even if, check out this, you know, playing 3D chess here. Let's say if both quarterbacks get a little sick from the Thanksgiving turkey, the Friday game would still be a revenge game, the double revenge game, Mike White versus Zach Wilson. Oh, boy. Both guys who've got an axe to grind against be, the Jets. That's going to be the one I want to tune into, right? And then what time is it? Three, <laughs> 3 Eastern? So noon Pacific? I mean, are you kidding me? Well, at least the one thing I know is that one, we'll be here doing shows. I do know that. So during Black Friday games, we'll be here doing our shows. Two, what I know is that I don't have to worry about, you know, covering the Raiders game. Like, I can watch it loosely and not feel bad. So that's cool. No worries. Black Friday, Amazon, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they missed the boat on that one. But I want to go ahead and start the show with that because you did say earlier in the week that you didn't think that the Raiders were going to get that Black Friday game or you didn't think it was a foregone conclusion. And you're right. So when you're right, and I'm completely wrong, way out of, uh, you know, not even close, I have no problem saying that. It's funny. I got hit up earlier today. A dude was like, man, you've been way off on all your schedule predictions. And I was like, what schedule predictions have I made? (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, outside of me saying Black Friday makes sense for the Raiders, what else have I said? Black Friday. Black Friday. And Black Friday. Right. I got no response after that, by the way, when I asked him. I said, well, what games are you actually talking about? What schedule have I mentioned? The rest of the schedule rolls out on uh, on tomorrow, and we'll, uh, we'll be able to dissect that, and that'll be a lot of fun. Of course, there's been some international games that have been rolled out, all the international games the Jaguars play twice, back-to-back weeks. They might as well go ahead and move. Right, I mean, they're playing back-to-back weeks overseas, so that's fine. The Raiders don't have any international games, even though it was it was floating around Twitter for a while that it looked like Buffalo and the Raiders could square up, but they're not. That's cool. I have no problem with that, even though I know there's a lot of fans internationally that would love to see uh, the Raiders there, you know, either in London or in Germany. But uh, they'll be at home, or not at home, but they'll be, you know, in, in this country. They won't be playing any international games in 2023. Uh, what other games? We saw and found out a couple marquee games, like the New Year's Eve game between the Chiefs and the Bengals, so that's cool. So uh, really, the, the full meal deal for the Silver and Black comes out next, or not next week, but uh, tomorrow. One that I'm a little disappointed by, by the schedule, guys. I know someone's got to play overseas, but Tyreek Hill, his return to Kansas City, it's happening in Germany. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mess. mean, you know, it is what it is. And, and look, but just like that little bit of, ah, oh, what could happen? You know, right. is he going to, you know, you know, torch the Chiefs, say Kansas City, this is what you're missing? Right. It'd be better in Arrowhead. You know, and the thing about it is, as the schedule gets released tomorrow, and it'll happen at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time and 8 o'clock Eastern time, it's going to be after the show's over. So I don't know if we have to stay on for an extra hour and maybe do the show, maybe do a schedule special. I don't know. Um, I know we have an Aviators game, but that's not till 7, so I'm thinking that we could potentially – navigate that I really don't want to miss out on the opportunity to talk about the schedule when it releases so we'll have to you know talk to the powers that be and maybe maybe we could work something out in the meantime in between so you'll talk to yourself no 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 hey look (laughs) man everybody's got a boss brother everybody's got a boss someone's got to answer to everybody so uh no I, I I don't believe me if I could just make decisions on my own without talking to anybody that would be great but uh there's always someone that you got to talk to everybody's got a boss so we'll see what happens maybe we do an extended hour tomorrow all based off the NFL schedule and just being able to break down, get an early talk about what's going on with the NFL schedule. Then, of course, the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., they'll take care of business. And then uh, JT the Brick is actually going to be out tomorrow 
He'll be out the rest of the week. He's going to be in Oklahoma as his son's graduating from Oklahoma, which I think is amazing. That's awesome. I, it's funny. I, I hear him saying that his son is graduating. I think, like, damn, my son's going to be a junior next year. Like, are you serious? There was a time when Little Q was literally Little, little Q, <laughs> right? He was a dude that couldn't even wear my hats that I don't wear very often, but he couldn't even wear a hat. He was just a little dude, and now he's going to be a junior next year? Like, time flies, brother. So I'm, I'm glad for JT and the family that they're able to go out to Oklahoma, check out his son graduating, and that's going to be a special moment. Speaking of Oklahoma, last night I went to Faith Lutheran, their um, graduation for the broadcast and film students. Okay. And Tobias Spotted Eagle, that's where he's going to school. Got to meet the whole family and nice. all that. It was great. He even gave like a shout out during his speech. No like, way. Being able to host, he was like, being, I got to co host the show with my good friend, Damon Cotton. But I feel I understand where parents, when people did he call to, you a little dude? No, he did not. Uh, Come on, I'm, I'm the OG. <laughs> I know, but you're still, him the most. Hey, if I was him, I'd be like, hey, shout out to that little dude. Hey, little dude, what's up, dog? But I see why parents get sentimental, yeah. just like Tobias even walking up there and giving me a shout out. I was like, yeah. man, who cut onions in here? <laughs> <laughs> so it, I can imagine for parents, like, oh, uh, man. It gets emotional. It really does. You know, and I remember when uh, when my son, he was at Roosevelt High School in Fresno, when he graduated and, you know, just being there and hearing him give a speech, you know, because he won uh, Athlete of the Year because, of course, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So he won uh, Athlete of the Year. So when he's giving the speech there, all of a sudden about, you know, I don't know, about halfway through it, he starts to choke up. And I was done. I was done. When he chokes up, like, there's nothing worse even in a good way, there's nothing worse than your kid crying. And so when he started choking up, I was like, oh, gosh, I can't take this. I can't handle it anymore. And, you know, and he's talking about his mom and talking about his dad. and talk, You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. And like you said, who's cutting onions? It was a wrap. I was done. All I could think of was my mom because my mom's like, you know, I'm a sentimental fool. You know, she always says that <laughs> and stuff like that. She always gets all teary-eyed. And I'm like, mom, stop crying. It's not a big deal. At that moment then is when I knew. It was a big deal. <laughs> so there is that. So, yeah, shout out to JT and his family, man. That's going to be awesome to be in Oklahoma and see his son graduate from college. And then it gets real. Then, all right, got you through high school, got you through college. Now what? Go get a job. I've been telling my son to get a job since, like, sixth grade. He still ain't done it. Got the NLL money, though, right? Man, he ain't got that yet. And he cut his hair, too. So that was his calling card. I was like, man. You got that that hair. You got to go sell that stuff. You know, you, he's not a salesman like me, right? I mean, he doesn't sell himself like that. He's a really quiet assassin, right? Uh, he he didn't he got that quiet stuff from his mama. He didn't get that from me, but uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't go out there. If it was me and I had all that hair, a good looking young man playing point guard for the basketball team, I'm around town selling myself. Like, hey man, it don't get no better than me. You know what I mean? You see this hair? I'd have every every barbershop lined up to you know to, to, to give me some nil money. I'd have uh, the hair salon, you know, got to take care of the hair. I w- whatever they wanted, I'd be selling myself, man. I would be like Shaq. Oh, you want me to endorse <laughs> it? No problem. I got you. Papa John's, cool. <laughs> the general, fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like head and shoulders, that's cool, right? Whatever it is, it wouldn't matter. But if you came to me and were like, hey, I want to give you a little nil money, done, done deal records. But yeah, he's not. He's not aggressive like that. Where I would be, man, the NIL, they should have had that when I was like an intern. I could, <laughs> I could have been the intern of all interns when it comes to radio if they gave me some NIL money. But like I said, man, just want to shout out to JT and his family. They're going to really enjoy that. Coming up on the show today, Clint Lamb, Bama Insider, will join us in about uh, about 20 minutes. Talk all things Byron Young, the third-round pick out of uh, Alabama. We've been trying to do a little bit of a profile on all the players. And as I look through our list of everybody – after we talk about Byron Young, really, out of all the guys drafted, all we have left is Ja'Korian Bennett out of Maryland. 
Everyone else we talked about in, in great detail. So Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, Byron Young will get at 2.30, Trey Tucker, Aiden O'Connell, Christopher Smith, Amari Bernie, and Nessa J. Silvera. We've talked about all those guys since they've been drafted. And so uh, all we got to do is talk about Byron Young today and the Jacorian Bennett, and then we're good to go. And, of course, rookie minicamp happens this weekend, the 12th through the 14th. So uh, we'll get an opportunity to kind of hear, not, not because we'll be there, but we'll get an opportunity to hear how these rookies start to look in Raiders uh, in Raider minicamp for rookie minicamp coming up this weekend. So Clint Lamb will join us from Bama Insiders at 2.30. 3 o'clock, this is going to be an interesting conversation I'm excited about. Nathan Cooper from SportsInfoSolutions.com, SIS. We've had him on the show before, and we had him on the show leading up to the draft. And they, you know, kind of take an analytical look at uh, these, these different players and where they should be drafted and where they should be selected. Well, they put out a really good piece about players that were drafted in 2020. So that's different, a little bit of a different twist, right? We always talk about you can't really t- uh, tell how good a player is until – until a couple years later, then you'll really know, you know, how good that draft class is. I always say that I hate to give grades. So they put out a they put out a, a piece, and he did in particular, grading the 2020 NFL draft class. Well, if you go back and look for the Raiders, there's only one player left. From 2020, it's only Amik Robertson. They have no first-round picks. Remember, that was Henry Ruggs and that was David Arnett. Those guys are gone. Everyone from that 2020 class is gone except for Amik Robertson. He's the last of the Mohicans. He's the last man standing. So they went over and kind of, you know, graded that 2020 draft class for all the teams across the league and then talked about where they were when they were selected in 2020, what they thought about the classes then, and where they eventually ended up. And when I was reading the article, and it was really good, and this is why I'm excited to talk to Nathan, there were so many, there were so many I want to say, red flags immediately. When it came to the Raiders draft class, like, yeah, that's not good value. That that player is not a good value there. Yeah, that's not really a good pick there. Even though someone like myself, just looking from, you know, the, an outside in, thinking, oh, well, maybe that player is going to be okay. They basically looked at it and was like, yeah, Damon Arnett's a terrible pick. You know, John Simpson's not a good pick. This player is not a good pick. You know, I mean, Henry Ruggs is a good pick, but, you know, maybe a little high. I mean, there's... There's, there's ways that they looked at it, so I thought it was really good. So we'll, we'll talk to Nathan about that 2020 draft class, but we'll also talk to him about, okay, how do you look at the 2023 draft class for the Raiders right now as it stands? They haven't played it yet, so of course they're probably rated a little bit higher than what they will be maybe two or three years from now, or maybe they're a little bit low. Maybe some of these players really shine, and then all of a sudden their stock rises, but I think that that'll be a good little kind of you know, compare and contrast Coming up with Nathan Cooper, SportsInfoSolutions.com, coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.30, our good friend Ted Wynn from The Athletic, he'll join us. He put out a piece on Tyree Wilson and basically how his production in college was good, was really good. But his production in college came off of natural ability. Not really great technique, not really because he was a student of the game and he just kind of knew how to set players up and, and that's why he was so successful, more just because he was just a better player. And so he kind of he put this piece out there talking about how much better Tyree Wilson could get and what he has to do in between now and, and then, you know, to be a lot better. And so, Damon, you actually saw this article and you pointed it out to me. So when you were reading it and checking it out from Ted, what were your, you know, kind of what was the highlights and the lowlights even that you took away from that piece? That first off, I was amazed by how well he was able to produce in college where you can look at him and say, maybe the technique isn't there where it does come to that raw ability. Mm-hmm. Because just in all of the pre-draft stuff that we saw, it felt like Tyree Wilson, he just kept rising, kept rising, kept rising. And for me, you know, obviously not knowing that much about him, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't get it. Is he, is he just that much? Is he that much of a freak athlete? But now when you read Ted's, when you read Ted's work, mm-hmm. it makes sense why teams were just so high up. Hey, that's where coaching is so important in the right. NFL. If you can mold him. 
Like, look at what he's already able to do without, of, let's say, that NFL coaching. Right, exactly. And that's something that I've been talking about with this whole draft class. I think a lot of them had production, had a good amount of production in college, but have plenty of room to grow. And that's Tyree Wilson. And that's what's exciting about him. And, and multiple people that we had on were talking about, you know, Will Anderson and talking about Tyree Wilson. So, yeah, Will Anderson is the more polished player right now. But a lot of people believe that with the better coaching, with, with coaching in general and more technique, Tyree Wilson could turn out to be the best player. And that's why it was reported that maybe he goes number two overall, maybe goes a little higher than, than Will Anderson. He eventually didn't, obviously. The Raiders got him at number seven. But uh, there's a lot of room for growth and a lot of potential when it comes to Tyree Wilson, but at the same time, production from college. So we'll talk to Ted Wynn from The Athletic coming up at 3.30 about that. Then our good friend Nick Shook from NFL Network, he'll join us at 4 o'clock to talk about the schedule. I'll, I'll ask him, and I'll complain, and I'll probably complain throughout the course of the show about Black Friday. I'm still kind of I, – I, again, I just – I honestly am so shocked that the Jets and the Dolphins – like, what do the Dolphins have to do with Black Friday? Like, I mean, seriously, what, what, what kind of relevance do they have on Black Friday? Riddle me that. Black coach. <laughs> really? That's what you got from it? That's what you got from it? Well, then, hell, why didn't... Oh, man, why didn't the Steelers play on Friday then? Oh, man. I mean, the Raiders have Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. The Vikings have Brian Flores. He's a DC. <laughs> Is that really what you got out of the Titans? They have, a, they have a black general manager. I mean, are we really going there? Is that that's the relevance for Miami? I mean, they just happen to be in the same division as the Jets. That's all that really matters. Tua might not even be playing on Black Friday. I mean, he's literally one or two hits away from not playing at all. And then I'm you, not I'm not rooting for that, but that's the reality. Like I said, then you've got the built-in narrative, the Mike White revenge game. Nobody's watching that. Nobody. Nobody. Dolphin fans ain't watching that. If 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 for some reason Rodgers and Tua are out. Jets fans and Dolphin fans ain't watching that. They're going shopping. They're getting online, checking out Amazon, and and they're going to check the box score later. That's what they're going to do. They ain't watching no Mike White versus, uh, who'd you say? Zach Wilson? Yeah, nobody cares. Two guys that want to show the Jets organization, you you, you missed out on us. No, they didn't. Especially Zach. Zach's terrible. Mike White, I mean, you know who he is. He's a career backup. Like, come on. So we'll talk to Nick Shook about the whole NFL schedule, you know, what games he's looking forward to, what he thinks about the schedule, what he looks for on the schedule release. We'll do that at 4 o'clock. He can talk all things NFL. Excited about that. Then at 440, very excited about this conversation. And, you know, we always live in the world of there's so much bad news. Sometimes a little bit of good news is, is, is even better than, than what it feels like. Like it's great news. Well, Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints is going to join the show. He does many different things, covers the Saints like a glove. He writes covering the Saints. He does a lot of stuff, but uh, he's my partner there on the Locked On Podcast Network. He covers the Saints. He's going to join us to talk about Foster Morrow. I'm so happy for Foster. Foster is a guy that a couple months ago announced on Twitter, and I remember doing the show when it came out, right? And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm thinking that this is a fake account or, you know, someone hacked Foster and they're trying to make something up. But he found out that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphoma. And he was taking a step away from football. Today, it's found out that Foster is signing a three-year deal. He signed it. I saw the pictures. Signed a three-year deal with the Saints. $12 million, $8 million guaranteed. And not only that, he's doing really well to the point where he's not missing football at all. He's going to be a guy that's going to be brought along slowly in training camp. But he's still going to be playing this year. So if you want to talk about things, good things happening to good people, that is a perfect example. I'm so excited about that, and I know Foster's not a Raider now, but once a Raider, always a Raider. Isn't that what they say? Foster's a good dude. 
We uh, had really good relationships with him in the locker room. Uh, felt terrible for him when, when he announced that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, happy that everything is trending in the right direction. And again, the story is not over, but to be at where it's at right now and have a happy type ending to it is so much better than what we're used to when it comes to something bad has happened. And I watched him with Michael Strahan. He was on Good Morning America, and I watched that interview where just him talking, where he's very, I'm not saying upbeat, but he's very positive about his outcome. And the thing that said to me, there was like, man, that's my biggest takeaway from this, where he said, hey, if you're somebody, everybody out there, you don't want to go see the doctor, you're scared yeah. to go see the doctor, it's not going to change the outcome. That's true. So go see and, and at least get him taken care of, because no one at least gets you ahead of the curve. You know, it's, it doesn't hurt to know, you know, but it is going to hurt you to not know. So that's, you know, I know a lot of people are afraid. Right. Ah, man, there's nothing. I'll shake it off. But. Go get checked out. No, really. And, and the thing about it is, think if Foster wasn't a free agent, right? Think if he had one more year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? He wouldn't have taken a routine physical. The only reason he took that physical is because he was on a free agent visit. That's yep. it. And he said, he said, I felt good in all my offseason right. workouts. Still felt he good. He looked good? Yep. So how would you have known or how would he have known? So, you know, my mom tells me all the time that God works in mysterious ways. The guy's a free agent. The Raiders aren't, you know, making a priority to bring him back. So he goes on free agent visits, and he goes and visits with the Saints, and that's when it's discovered that, oh, you've got this. This situation is going on. And he addresses it immediately, and a couple months later, if even that, it seems like it was just yesterday when we were talking about it on the show when uh, he found out about it. Now all of a sudden he's signing a three-year, $12 million extension, $8 million guaranteed, and most likely he's going to play this year. I think that's awesome. I really do. I think that's such a great testament to him. A uh, testament to, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, like my mom says all the time. And and just, just again, happy that the story is ending and trending in the way that it is. And him getting to play for the hometown team. I yeah! know that. And by the way, he gets to go <laughs> home. I know that of all the teams, like, hey, the Raiders, hey, we're probably going to let you go. Right. There was probably no other team he wanted to play for more. Right. The young man comes from LSU. He, he's, you know, grew up in that area. So, yeah, he's also going home. So, I'm sure that that is, I mean, today I saw the pictures of him signing his contract. He was all smiles, as he should be, and I'm just happy for him. I'm, hip, I'm happy for him, the man. The football player, fine, but the man himself, I'm super excited about. So Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints will join us at 440, and we'll talk all things Foster Morrow. So as you can tell, we have a loaded show. Clint Lamb will join us at 2.30, Nathan Cooper at 3, Ted Wynn at 3.30, Nick Shook at 4, and then Ross Jackson will close us out at 440. In the meantime, in between time, we'll definitely hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. And we've already got a few uh, messages on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r We'll get to them in just a hot minute, but I did want to throw the question out there. Since the schedule is upon us tomorrow, what games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it's released? Like, what do you pay attention to? Off bat, when you see, when you get the Raiders schedule in your hand or you see it online or you're going to be watching on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever outlet, however you consume the NFL schedule. And I know some people will say, oh, it's not a big deal to me. It's always a big deal. It's always a big deal. We as NFL fans can't help ourselves. We go and look at it. We'll be talking about what games look like, wins, losses. We'll talk. We'll do all that, right? By Friday, by the time we sign off the show on Friday, we'll have a win-loss record for the Raiders in 2023. Will we not, Damon? <laughs> Will we not have a win-loss record for oh, the Raiders? Yeah. There's no doubt. 
There's no doubt. And someone's going to say they're going 17 and 0. Can't oh, that's, wait. that's only gangster writer. <laughs> and I and I and I respect and appreciate his opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he gets fired up, and that's cool. That's cool. And there's there's a lot of fans that feel the same way. They just won't have the stones to call in and say it. I guarantee you, there's a lot of fans that'll be like, well, you know what? If this happens here and this happens here and get off to a good start, I mean, I promise you, Gangster Raiders is not the only one that thinks that the Raiders are going to go 17 and 0. He's just the only one that's actually going to call in and say it. Others will be like, eh, you know, it's... some people, and I, I find myself doing this sometimes. I look for the losses. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I just gave him five wins in a row. They got to lose somewhere. And I'll go back. I will. I'll go back and be like, okay, hold on, Q, you're tripping. Right? And, and that happens because, again, you try to look. It's just like when you pick March Madness, you look for the upset when you're going chalk. You're like, wait, hold on. There's got to be an upset somewhere. And then you go back and you double check. That's what I do with the schedules. I'll look at the schedule and I'll probably come out with 13 and four. And I'll be like, you know what? They won six games last year. I got I to gotta, I gotta pull it back a little bit, right? And before I come out and we go on the air and talk about it, I'll have it down to about 10 and 7, <laughs> 9 and 8, something like that, something reasonable. It won't be 13 and 4, but in my initial thoughts, it'll probably be 13 and 4. But reasonable, but yeah, I can't. We, uh, the more you talk about it, we need that extra hour tomorrow. That's, hey, look, <laughs> we, we might be able to make that happen. I'm just saying. I know some people that know some people, so we'll reach out and see what happens. We might go 2 to 6 p.m. Coming up on Thursday. But I do want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187 keyword r What games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it's released? What are you looking for when you get the Raiders schedule in your hand or even the rest of the NFL schedule? Because it might be primetime games. You might want to know who's kicking off the season, who's the first game. I heard Vinny Bonsignor this morning on the morning tailgate with Lindsey Brown and, and Clay Baker talking about he thinks that the Raiders are going to play the Chiefs on, on that Thursday night, that first game of the season. I would be okay with that. That'd be awesome. And, of course, the Chiefs are going to host that. I'd have to go back to Kansas City because I still never got to Arthur and Bryant's. <laughs> I still never got there. I mean, I got there, but I didn't get there. So, at this point, I mean, I'd, I'd have to make the trip to Kansas City and do the show from there. Just saying. That would be okay. I wouldn't mind that at all. But you'd be stadium and home. Yeah. I, I'd what? I said you'd be stadium and home. I mean, yeah. But would you enjoy Kansas City? Oh, it's not about you actually enjoying the city. No, I, I, I would. I actually, if if I went to, if they played on Thursday night to start the season, I would go. I would say that I'd probably fly in Tuesday night, and then I would enjoy Wednesday. I would check out Wednesday, obviously doing the show. But I would, I'd probably enjoy Wednesday. Hell, I might stay at the same place I stayed during the the draft because that was a really nice place. It didn't have uh, internet connection, but besides that, <laughs> I've solved that problem. There so you go. I can overcome that. But uh, no, I think that that would be a good idea. Go there, uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of barbecue, and maybe get an opportunity to check out the city. And I check out um, the baseball museum, and I wouldn't mess up the name of it when I say it on the air. Just saying. Recent news. I wouldn't go there. Just throwing it out there. I wouldn't have to apologize in the sixth inning. That's just something I said pregame, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so there's that. Just roll it off the tongue. Hey, yeah, 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 it happens. So, yeah, Raider Nation, let us know. 702-365-9200, don't be broke.com, text sign 69187, keyword R&R. What games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it's released? What do you pay attention to the most? Mailman Raider hit us up and said, Q, the only thing I'm looking for on the schedule is what Monday and Tuesday night games we have so I know what days I'm calling into work. That's about it. I respect that. He's got priorities. Remember, he's the same guy that wanted to have uh, President's Day on, uh, you know, the day of the Super Bowl would be uh, right before President's Day so he could take Monday off. So Mailman Raider, he's got his priorities right there, and that's cool. Primetime games. That's what Monday nights are, right? Primetime games. So I want to see how many primetime games the Raiders have this year as well. Thursday, if they played that Thursday against Kansas City, that'd be one. How many Monday nights games do they have? Do they have any Sunday night games, right? When the Raiders kicked off the season at Allegiant Stadium, 
what, a couple seasons ago? Was that 2021, where it was Monday night and all of us were there broadcasting the shows from there, all, from the morning tailgate all the way through? That was Monday, right? When yeah, we were too yeah. short on the show, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, it was the game against the Ravens, the first yeah, game with yeah. fans in. Yeah, yeah, with fans in, Monday night football. I would love for that to be the case. I would love to start the season with the Monday night football game again, all eyes on uh, on Allegiant Stadium. I think that'd be awesome. So that'd definitely be something I pay attention to. One more quick text. Big Dub Raider said, Q, I was with you all along about having a Black Friday game. Now that I think about it, all the NFL wants is ratings, and the Jets and, and Fish will get ratings. Uh, mainly in in my area, go Raiders. That's from Big Dub Raider, and he's not wrong. Or in the New York area, not my area. He said the New York area. Yeah, no, you're right. You know they're always gonna you know play up to the New York market and all that. I get it, but it just feels like to me, like I said, it was a big miss that they didn't get they didn't get the Raiders involved in a Black Friday game. I mean, again, I'll I'll go to my grave and say the same thing. Just to me, didn't make any sense. But thank you so much for that uh, text. We definitely appreciate you coming up next, Clint Lamb. Bama Insider will join us to talk all things Byron Young, the third-round pick out of Alabama. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Byron, welcome to Raider Nation, man. Yeah, we're excited for you to eat some space, to beat some blocks, to beat up the middle of the beat up the middle of the pocket a little bit. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Right there, you heard a little Dave Ziegler. Talking to Byron Young, the third-round pick out of Alabama, the defensive tackle, the big man that's going to be in the middle, eating up space, as you heard him say. He's a guy that's really good at stuff in the run and a guy that got a little loose when it came to getting after the quarterback in 2022 as he had four quarterback sacks. So uh, we'll talk to Clint Lamb, Bama insider here in a matter of minutes. DeMond is trying to effort him right now. Uh, we threw the question out there at 702-365-9200. When we don't have a, 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 a guest on, you can call in, and whenever we do, you can hit us on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r What games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it is released? Of course, we'll get the full meal deal tomorrow afternoon. What do you pay attention to? The most. My guy, Raider Chavez, 916 at Sacramento, California. He said, I want to see the schedule so I can book my room for whatever games I want to go to this year. And that's a very important thing, you know, especially when you're in Las Vegas, right? When the team's playing in Las Vegas and you want to make sure that you know in advance where you're going to go, when you're going to go there, what time you're going to get there, and plan a whole weekend. We all know that Las Vegas is a destination location. So, yeah, of course, that, that makes a whole lot of sense there from Raider Chavez and 916. Find out the dates so you can make some plans on when to be in town. And even if you're going to go on road trips, it's not exclusive to Las Vegas. You're going to go on road trips. Like I talked about that first game of the season. Maybe it's Kansas City and the Raiders in Kansas City. Maybe you plan on going to that one. That'd be cool. I'd be excited by that game. I think that'd be a really fun game to be at. I think it'd be a really fun game for the Raiders to be a part of in week one against Kansas City as they're, uh, you know, breaking in the brand new season. Of course, the defending Super Bowl champions, they'll, uh, you know, they'll raise the banners. They'll do all that stuff. They'll have their celebration. And I think it'd be a great time for the Raiders to get the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. I think it'd be, give, be a great opportunity for them to get them on the road, right? The one minute they, they may be, I don't want to say slipping just a little bit, but you know, in week one, nobody is as good as they are expected to be. They're always kind of working, you know, working the kinks out, including the, the Raiders. So week one is always an interesting week in the NFL, so I would have no problem if the Raiders got the Chiefs in week one on the road. That'd be great. Then later on in the season, get them back at Allegiant Stadium. But we'll get back to that question again. What games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it's released? What do you pay attention to the most? 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines, Bama Insider, Clint Lamb, at Clint R. Lamb on Twitter. And, Clint, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. Wanted to talk about Byron Young, the third-round pick 
from uh, Alabama, the defensive tackle for the Raiders. And when you see him, he spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa, man. He's had over 50 games that he played. How much have you seen him just kind of mature over the time that he's been there with Bama? Yeah, he was kind of a, an immediate contributor, one of several from that 2019 class. And just seeing his ability to continue to see his reps increase. Um, he's a guy who can play inside and out. He's got a lot of versatility for you up front. can play, you know, in an odd man front and even man front. Uh, so just watching his play improve over the years, but also watching his maturity, the fact that he kind of developed into a leader in that defensive line room. And he just is such a fantastic person. Like getting to interview him and do the press conferences and all that stuff. I mean, he was truly a special guy to cover. So I, I think you guys got a good one. Again, we're talking with Clint Lamb here, Bama Insider on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So one thing he said to us, when he got drafted, is that he's a winner. He's going to bring a, a winning uh, personality and leadership to the locker room and also help change the culture. What have you seen from, from him as far as a leader goes on the field and off the field there at, uh, in Tuscaloosa? Well, I think that there was some rough patches, like com- I guess compared to most Alabama standards or past Alabama teams. Uh, if there was ever a two-year stretch where there were some uh, you know, not guys not playing to the Bama standard or whatever you want to call it, I certainly think that he's kind of dealt with it as far as other guys. And just seeing how he's kind of come along, really brought on uh, Jaheim Otis, spoke very highly of him any time that we talked to Jaheim, uh, just definitely brings that leadership mentality and definitely brings like uh, the – he plays to the Bama standard. Like you see it on the field, certainly, but it's also the demand that he has for others. But he doesn't do it in a way where it's, it's done through intimidation or – anything like that, like an Sean Robinson or some of those guys in the past. But it certainly uh, has shown up big time as far as getting some of those young defensive linemen prepared to play, uh, playing to the Alabama standard, and really just holding himself more than anybody, but everybody else around him as well, accountable. And I think that that's something that's pretty special in a young player like that. You know, the Raiders are not, uh, you know, unfamiliar with uh, Bama players, right? They've had plenty of Bama players that they've selected and have been in the silver and black. But what is it about practice? Like, I'm sure that those practices get super competitive, especially along that defensive line. I mean, there was a point where uh, where Byron told us that you had to earn the right to be able to get after the quarterback as he obviously excelled at getting after the quarterback this past year when he came away with four sacks. Yeah, I think that that's um, – we, we talked about iron sharpens iron, and I think with Alabama that holds true almost as much as any other program in the country. And just the offensive lines that he's gone against in practice uh, and, and things like that, I mean, he certainly is going to be a guy who's going to put an emphasis on stopping the run first and foremost. He's an excellent run defender, 6'3", 6'4", you know, range, 290-plus pounds. Like I said, brings that versatility to play inside and out. Uh, but he's going to stop the run well, and he's going to set himself up for the ability to kind of kick inside and maybe get after the quarterback. And Alabama had some guys who could do that pretty effectively. Uh, but I think the biggest thing with Byron Young was after Justin Aboyby went down with an injury, I think in after week four, after the first month of the season, Byron Young, his role was asked to, you know, he was expected to increase that role quite a bit. And he did it in stride. He didn't have any sort of issues. He played a much higher percentage of the snaps than I think he was originally anticipating. And he, like I said, he took everything in stride and was still, you know, an effective player because Alabama likes those versatile guys who can play on the outside on early downs, kick inside on the, in passing situations. And so 
Byron Young's role with the team was certainly important, and I think it's going to be important for the Raiders as well. Talking right now with Bama Insider Clint Lamb here on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about Byron Young, the third-round defensive tackle selection for the Silver and Black. My man DeMond's got one for you. I watched a video from Byron back in 2019 where he was getting ready to go to Bama, and his trainer said that he called some of the guys on the Bama staff, and what do they want from him? They said, don't bring him in heavy where you see the defensive tackles a lot of the times where guys try to balloon up. So what do you think has been that key for him in, that, in his frame? Could he carry more weight, or do you think that, that the, the way that they use him, he's perfect in that 290 range? Uh, I, I definitely think that he can hold more weight for sure. And that is something that Alabama, for those inside-out guys, they want you to have enough uh, size to be able to hold up out there on the edge and stop the run effectively. But they also want you to be agile enough where you can move inside and you know, play in those passing situations. And with Young, I mean, really, his weight didn't really fluctuate all that much from the time that he really got to Alabama, maybe, you know, 10 or so pounds. Um, but, yeah, I think with his frame, he could certainly bulk up if you needed him to. You know, Marcel Darius was one of those guys who, you know, had the versatility to play all along your defensive front. At Alabama, he kind of played in that, you know, that early in his career, 290, ended up getting to 300, 305 pounds maybe. And then he gets to the NFL and he's a 330, you know, 335-pound nose tackle. So I think that, you know, Young's not that kind of player necessarily, but I am saying that I think he could get to 300-plus if you needed him to. It's all going to be dependent on what, you know, the Raiders ask him to do as far as his role. But, yeah, if they wanted to bulk him up a little bit and move him more into a full-time in, inside role, uh, you know, I definitely think that he has the ability to do that and, and do it fairly effectively. And then when it comes to him being such an effective player where he does have, the, like you said, the agility to play on the outside of needed, were there ever any times where they did have him lined up more as an edge rusher as opposed to the interior? Uh, there were certainly times where he was out there on the edge. You know, he, he would be playing a, a four-eye or a five-tech, uh, you know, and really would be asked to kind of hold the edge in a passing situation. Um, as far as being a true bendy edge, no, that didn't happen too much. Uh, but at the same time, he's – He's certainly capable of it if you were to ask him of that. I just don't think he's going to provide this, you know, really explosive player off the edge. But can he play out on the edge? Absolutely. Clint Lamb is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking all things Byron Young. And one of the things that he pointed out to us as well is that he just loves to stop the run. Why did he take so much pride in being able to stop the run there his time at Bama? Well, I think that was the Alabama standard, or at least it has been. I think maybe some of that's been lost in recent years, but that's why I say Byron Young has kind of played uh, and held that mentality because that was always kind of the, the most important thing was you stop the run first and foremost if you're in Tuscaloosa and you're wearing crimson. Uh, and he embraced that from the day that he got to Alabama, and I think that's what helped him become one of those you know, true freshmen who was able to get on the field. Uh, some of the, the, the fact that they got that many guys, first-year players on the field, was the fact that it was out of necessity. But I think that just the way that he embraced the role that he had, and, and that included stopping the run. Like, he, like I said, he's a very effective run stopper. And early in his career, they had guys like Christian Barmore and other guys, you know, Fidarian Mathis, who could be more of your interior pass rusher. So he didn't have to really do that as much uh, in his first year or two. And I think really where he started to become – or make a name for himself was when he did stop the run, you know, in those early down situations. And then he's just continued to add to his game the older he's gotten and the more responsibility he's been given. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he takes pride in that, and I certainly think that helps him as far as, you know, you can be a guy who can get on the field immediately. It might be in a limited situation, but if you can stop the run, you're going to find your way onto the field, and then, you know, they might have situational pass rushers to kind of give you breaks 
in certain situations. But I think Young is a three-down interior guy if that's what you want him to be. And I think that he'll hold up pretty well doing it. How did he look in this certain passing situations where you knew, let's say, the second and long, the third and longs, right there next to Will Anderson? Because on, at the NFL level with the Raiders, he's going to have an edge that's all pro level with Max Crosby on the side of him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was interesting because Alabama's cheetah package, which was something that knew that they kind of rolled out where they had three true edge rushers on the field in the four-man front and one lone interior defensive lineman, uh, Justin Boyd held that role before he got injured. And then you saw kind of a combination of Jamil Burroughs and you saw Marion Latham, but you also saw, saw some Byron Young where it's like he's out there specifically in not passing situation in a lot of where it's eating up a lot of the blocks and, and picking up space and allowing some of those other guys to be able to make plays, but he's also capable of making plays himself. Like his pressure rate, you know, if you go back and look, I mean, it consistently got better and better every year he was at Alabama. And that's why I think that, you know, if he continues on the current trajectory that he's on and just the fact that he's continued to get better and better each and every year, I certainly think there's going to be a guy who, like I said, can play on all three downs and help out your defense really in any way that you would ask him to. Clint Lamb is our guest, Bama Insider here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. As far as his growth, how much more, how much better do you think he can get? Like, how much more room does he have to grow in the NFL? Well, I think that he's one of those types of players. Like, uh, you know, I put him more in the mold of a Dalvin Thomason or, you know, some of those former, you know, an Ashawn Robinson, some of those former Alabama defensive linemen, where it's like you're not probably going to get like an absolute superstar, but you are going to get probably a 10 year player. He is going to be effective in the role that you ask him to play, and that includes, you know, whether it be stopping the run or getting after the quarterback. And so, you know, is he going to be Aaron Donald? Is he going to be one of these guys who's an all-pro talent? Probably not. But he's going to be in the NFL, in my opinion, for a very long time. He's going to be an effective player. And I still don't think that he's necessarily reached his ceiling. Is he close to it? Probably. But even if he doesn't improve a whole lot from this point moving forward, I still think he's going to be a good good player. Um, so, uh, yeah, We'll, we'll kind of just have to wait and see on that front. I do think that he's got a little bit more potential in him. What do you think, and we'll close out with this, what do you think is his area where he needs to grow the most? Like where where does he need to kind of focus in on so he can have that 10-year career in the NFL? I think hand usage. Uh, he's got violent hands and stuff when, you know, he actually uses them. I think having, you know, having a little bit more of an arsenal as far as your pass rush moves, which that's something he's worked on a lot in Alabama, and I think that he's definitely shown improvement. I just think that he could continue to get better in that area. Um, but really, I mean, like I said, for what you're going to ask him to do, he does all that stuff pretty effectively. There's nothing that I would look at with his game and say, you know, he's definitely uh, he's weak in this area. Like, if you're expecting him to be a 4-3 defensive end and, and – you know, rack up pressure on the quarterback, like that's not going to work. But based right. off of what Oakland or uh, Las Vegas is going to ask him to do, you know, I think he'll be able to do that fairly effectively. I just don't really see a whole lot in his game that he can stand in for. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Sounds like a guy who can go in on day one and, and, and start to be a factor and help out with that Raiders defense. And we all know that they need a lot of help on that defensive line. You got Crosby and Chandler on two ends. So uh, maybe a, a guy like Byron Young could really help contribute in the interior of that defensive line. Well, Clint, great stuff, my man. I definitely appreciate you. What do you got coming out, Bama Insider, that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. I uh, got some big news coming out within the next month or so, but we got a great uh, Alabama community on the Talk of Champions message boards. I've uh, got, you know, uh, 
uh, a lot of content coming out as far as team stuff and recruiting stuff. So definitely go check us out on BamInsider.com. And if you want to follow me personally, uh, at Clint R. Lamb on Twitter. Good stuff. Good stuff as always, my man, Clint. Thanks so much. We definitely appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes. Clint Lamb, Bama Insider. Again, on Twitter, at Clint R. Lamb. And, Damon, it sounds like the Raiders got a pretty good one in Byron Young. We're like, I've already known that he's a pretty good one, but when you can go in and kind of contribute immediately, and obviously you can still grow, but – contribute a lot immediately, that's a good thing. That's the second person who said he might not be the best player, but he's going to have a long NFL career. Yeah, yeah, 10 years plus, right? If you can if you can consist, consistently get that, that's a good thing. It really is. 247 is the time. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r What games intrigue you the most when it comes to the schedule being released, and what, what are you paying attention to? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Mike hit us up on Twitter. Q, I love cold weather snow games. The first thing I look for when the schedule comes out is see if the Raiders may have one of those late in the year. That's from Mike on Twitter, and he's responding to my question about what games intrigue you the most on the schedule when it's released. What do you pay attention to the most? Mike is looking for the cold weather games. Mike, I look for the cold weather games as well but for opposite reasons, <laughs> right? I don't want anything to do with the cold weather games, and it's not like I'm going to all the cold weather games. Not like I'm going to all the road games. Sometimes it makes sense for us to go on the road games. Sometimes it doesn't. But, man, I don't want anything to do with the road games, even if I'm not playing. Like last year when the Raiders paid, played in Pittsburgh, I didn't – man, I felt bad for everybody out there. Pittsburgh, the Raiders, Jason Horowitz, Lincoln Kennedy. Steve you know, Weiss. Steve Weiss, everyone. <laughs> I felt bad for everybody. I was just like, it's too cold for me out there, brother. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, people always love the idea of the snow game. Oh, it looks fun to go out. Maybe to catch one pass, that's all you would want to do if you were out there in the snow. Right. But it's time to go back inside after that. You know, it's 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 probably fun to play in. I mean, I would have no experience with that, so I don't know. It's probably fun to play in at a certain extent, you know, a certain level, but I'm good. I'm good. I'll take the nice climate control. And, hey, look, man, <laughs> Allegiant Stadium has really – um, you know, it, it is it has spoiled me. Let's put it like that. Because, man, you go in there, it doesn't matter if it's cold outside, doesn't matter if it's raining outside, doesn't matter if it's blazing hot outside. You go in Allegiant Stadium, it's like, oh, man, it's nice and chill. Might even put my jacket on. <laughs> right? It just, yep. it, it, it is a great, it is great. So I love the elements. I kind of like watching other teams play in the elements, but I don't want to see the Raiders play in the elements because I don't want there to be an excuse where, okay, well, they didn't do this. Well, it was so cold. No, nah, just give them a perfect, perfect field. And let them go at it. Like that Cleveland Brown game a few years ago, what was it called? It wasn't even called snow or sleet. It was like some kind of in-between. Remember they had some special name for yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Like yeah. Shrapple or something or whatever. I think you're pretty close, actually. I think so, too. It's some kind of – oh, Grapple. Okay. I was going to say gravel, but I was like, it wasn't gravel. No, it was Grapple. Yeah, like I, I don't need all that. If, if you don't even – if you if most people haven't even heard of the name of what it is, they don't need to play in that. It's good. Yeah, weather games are – they're not all they're cracked up to be. No. Or even Miami where the opposing teams they complained because the way the stadium set up. Yeah. Where I remember Stephon Diggs after that game that the Bills had there to start the season. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, they set us up so it's super hot and you're super dehydrated and the sun's beaming on you. None of those problems at Allegiant Stadium. And they're making sure that they, uh, they, yeah, they, they take full advantage of their home field advantage when they, when they have that opportunity, when Miami does. So, yeah, they do that. And um, now I'd rather be hot, though, and, and crazy – you know, a crazy weather like that, then it'd be super cold and snowy and all that and raining and no thank you. I'm good. I remember being at uh, TCU and Baylor in Fort Worth some years back, and it was so rainy. 
and it was so cold. And I remember the players after the game said the ball was like a medicine ball. It was so heavy. Like it was just waterlogged. And they're trying to, you know, get get the ball hustled in and hustled out. And it just it doesn't matter. A couple seconds later, it was like they're playing in a monsoon. And I kept thinking, like, there's no reason why they're still playing in this. And it ended up going into overtime because it was that ugly of a game. And finally, I believe TCU won that game. But, man, it was just like, what is go- what, what the hell are y'all doing? Do you remember the final score or anything no, close to it? No, not at all. I know. <laughs> let's put it like this. The weather was so bad that night, I didn't even drive back to Waco. I stayed in Fort Worth overnight. I was like, I'll just drive home tomorrow. And I'm not that guy. Like, I have no problem getting in the car and driving home. I want to get home. I want to sleep in my own bed. But that night, I was like, uh... Wife, I ain't coming home tonight. There is no way I'm getting on the highway and trying to drive through that mess because it was bad. It was so bad. It was the worst weather ever. And so I found some little cheap motel, and it was cool. And, you know, like I said, I got to bed late and got up early and was out of there. But, man, it was it was ugly weather. I wanted nothing to do with that at all. Jim from Yonkers hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Then we'll take a break. He said, I'm eager to see who we play the first month to see if we can get out to a good start. I can't see Buffalo getting the first Thursday game again. I'm thinking the Chiefs want to stick it to us, so it could be us. As for Foster, we should have kept him as our number two tight end. We have a one, three, and a four now. I am for the players, so every team, medical staff, should have the same resources as the Saints staff. The NFLPA should push Goodell for this. If teams can fly to Europe to make the league more money, this should be done. I say the Knicks and Warriors extend both series tonight. For D, I have a better sports movie trivia. Name five actors that played basketball coaches in each movie. Should get it. Thank you for a great show. I don't know. That's a lot to unpack. And I don't know about that uh, trivia question. Glad we got the break here. Name five actors that played basketball coaches in each movie. Should get it. Do you have Do you have one? Nick Nolte, uh, Blue Chips. Samuel Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. I Coach Carter. Yep. Coach Carter. I actually know the real Coach Carter. Oh, real? Yeah, me and Co- Coach Carter are cool. He's- you know the longest time I thought that was in uh, Virginia? No. Because it was rich, but yeah, so that's me. Yeah, you're bad. My, my, south, my south bias. Yeah, you're bad. You know what's funny is the real Coach Carter lives in Texas. Oh. Uh. Yep, he lives in Texas. So I actually, we'll get him on the show. Real quick before we go to break, I got to tell this story. There was one guy, um, when I skipped school in high school, there was a guy hustling on the strip of like, oh, buy the CD, buy this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he basically cornered one of my friends. He was like, all right, man, here's $10, go away. And it was just a clip of this dude playing basketball. It was You had his four-track demo, yeah. but also all of the commercials and basketball movies that he had been in, and he was in Coach Carter. Really? <laughs> yeah. So he was just, he was an actor, but he was in movie. I mean, he was in, uh, he was in a bunch of I think he was just a basketball guy where maybe he lived in L.A., and they said, we need somebody tall. Oh, okay, okay. So he's extra. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's a good hustle. Good hustle. He got those $10. He got, how about say, he got your friend for $10. So that's all that really matters. Thanks, Jim, for that text. We'll continue to come up with answers on that. The only one I got is Samuel L. Jackson because of Coach Carter. That's all I got. Like I said, at some point, we'll get Coach Carter on the show. uh, And he'll be, he's a fun, he's a fun dude to talk to. But Nathan Cooper, sportsinformationsolutions.com. He'll join the show to kick off hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.